0: Good day, everyone, and welcome back to the Not Safe for Work Photography podcast. There are thousands of models and photographers creating adult content using modern platforms and taking control of their own creative lives. Today, we're interviewing Wilbur Walk, who is the owner of Rowdy Digital Images. This is a little different than our normal interview. We've typically in the past interviewed models and photographers and examined the relationship between amateur photographers and paid models. Wilbur's doing things a little bit differently as he is targeting mainstream America with his boudoir photography. So, Wilbur, how did you get where you are in photography doing boudoir photography professionally?
1: It's kind of found me. A few years ago, I had uh, found myself out of a job. I'd been a marketing graphic designer for 13 years. And I started hanging out at a hot rod shop and offered to do their online. Social media marketing stuff for them while they did some work on a motorcycle for me. And while doing that, I would offer photo packages as a prize for the cruise in winners. You know, bring in your hot rod classic car, or whatever. And I had some friends that did pinup modeling and, you know, win a free photo package. These guys who put Tens, maybe hundreds of thousand dollars into these cars. Not one of them took me up on a free photo session. Hmm. But the wives were all like, oh, wow, pinup sounds like it'd be so much fun. I'd love to do that. I love those pictures. So whenever I left the Hot Rod shop and moved into my own studio, I just kind of let the cars fall by the wayside and Started offering the the pinup and boudoir shots for the wives, and that's been uh close
0: to five years now. I'm surprised that none of them took you up on it, and I'm very surprised that kind of the wives came forward and did that. Yeah, I mean it's it's uh, it,
1: these cars are their pride and joy, and they can't go five minutes without polishing something <laughs> on them. But yet they they don't want a free photo session to. You know, a poster of their own car with a beautiful woman standing beside it in their garage.
0: Now, oh, their my their wife might be unhappy about that if she's not the beautiful woman. That's what you should have done. You should have done a poster session with their wife in the car.
1: Uh, that that was part of the offer, but I yeah. mean, just... hmm.
0: maybe they're jealous. Of their wife leaning on their car. <laughs> <laughs> In the past, we mostly talked with photographers who shoot paid models. So I assume you've done some of that as well. I think I saw some uh, models that I recognize in your portfolio, correct? Uh, oh, yes. Uh, yeah.
1: there, there's a few that have been your guests before me that I've I, shot I,
0: with. I recognized Ayla for sure.
1: Oh, yes. yeah, She's yeah. great to work with.
0: That's, so uh, that's what I've been told.
1: Hopefully get her into the, the new studio again here once it's all set up and going
0: hmm So let's talk about the difference between shooting nor- models and shooting normal people or civilians, however you might call them. For most models, they're typically very comfortable with telling you what their boundaries are. How do you determine a boundary for a civilian? Do you, I imagine you must have some sort of conversation with them before you start shooting and really kind of feel out what they want and what they're looking for.
1: Yeah, it's, I have, you know, Idea books, I'll call them the the discount racks at your local Barnes and Nobles that have a thousand and one pinup illustrations and uh, history of sports illustrated swimsuit issue and books like that. And just I even have, you know, some old uh, Easy Rider magazines, you know, look, we can show off your tattoos like this or whatever. And you kind of pay attention to what they flip past quickly and what they study and go, okay, is this the kind of thing you're looking for here? And then as the session progresses, you know, start out, and I usually do a backdrop set of what they wore into the studio that day because obviously those are their comfy clothes. Um, mm-hmm. And then Keep moving and moving. And, you know, near the end of the session, hour and a half, two hours later, like, okay, would you want to try something a little more daring? Something like this. Uh, What about if we just imply something? Uh, There's been a few that uh, have come back a couple times. And, you know, I kind of liken it to getting a tattoo that this is their. New addiction, uh, because that I've had probably half a dozen women who come back for three, four different sessions. And if they're really timid in their first one and then they see those photos and they like them, then the next time they come back, they're a little bolder and they want to try something more. So it's really just about, uh, helping them find where they're comfortable at. And, and, and every once in a while, there are some, some surprises in there.
0: <laughs> what type of boudoir photos do civilians usually want? Have you noticed uh, real, any patterns in the types of photos they want or poses that they prefer?
1: I don't see any real patterns, but there's some that they tend to like more than others. Uh, my studio has four or five different areas set up, and the, the edgier, the more shadowy, high contrast the photos are, they seem to like those more than anyone's setting or anything. Because you know, no one really walks around on a bright, sunny day in lingerie in their sunroom sipping a <laughs> cup of tea. most of the sexiness goes on in a dimly lit room with a lot of mood and atmosphere to it and so that's what i try to bring out in in the work that i do
0: no that's a good point though i mean a lot of the fine art photographers and even some of the erotic photographers they tend to do a lot of you know like outdoors and you know waterfalls and trails and buildings yeah. and stuff like that but uh in reality most people really seem to confine their activities to the bedroom
1: yeah i mean i i get the the fantasy and the harlequin romance book cover <laughs> feel
0: but hottest rippers
1: yeah but you know yeah <laughs> If the popularity of uh, Fifty Shades of Grey taught us anything, it's that there's you know a little secret freak waiting in everybody, <laughs> yeah. uh, and so they they want their their fantasy to be a little more gritty and grounded in reality. I guess you could say.
0: It's interesting. I would not have expected that. I would have expected you would have gotten a lot more kind of. Not weird exactly, but you know, just a little more daring, but
1: <laughs> Well, I've, I've done some fetish shoots, uh, done some couple stuff there. You know, uh, using only white candles as lighting gets a, a good response. Hmm. People want a little bit of mood and mystery and Maybe even danger thrown into it.
0: Uh, so I have two questions actually about that. First of all, trying to take pictures with just white candlelight. Do you? back I imagine you've got to back it up with some other kind of lighting, or do you just just use the candles? That seems like a real tough technical shoot. it,
1: it is, and it takes a while to really get it down. Uh, and I'm not sure that <laughs> I have every time yet. But uh, the model light on a strobe, the, the low model light on a mm-hmm. strobe, pointed at the wall to get just enough reflection that you don't really notice that it's not the candles lighting gotcha. the model. Uh, for a while, I couldn't figure out why the picture that I were taking had a red tint to them. Turning out great but they had this weird red tint to them. And then I realized one day that it was because I was shooting by the exit sign over the door. (laughs) And whenever I shut out out the main lights and just lit with the cameras, it was getting this (laughs) nice little red glow from the exit sign.
0: That's funny.
1: It gave it a real Hammer's film, Dracula kind of feel, which was actually kind of cool, but
0: yeah. (laughs) Um, My second question, actually, this isn't on the list and I apologize for springing on you, but I didn't even think about your studio. You said you've got three or four different setups, and I I know you mentioned you're between studios at the moment, uh, but what are your general, what setups do you have kind of pre-made and ready to go? The
1: studio that I just moved out of was about a 20 by 24 cinder block room. and Along one of the long walls, I had a painter's drop cloth, the the heavy canvas kind, on a pole that served as one-size-fits-all backdrop that I could throw gels on and stuff like that, or I could hang a backdrop in front of it. So that was my backdrop area. Uh, In one corner, I put up brick paneling with uh, those padded leather headboard squares and framed that in red curtains to kind of make a, hmm. a stage area or, you know, a padded room area, fun room kind of thing. Uh, right beside that, I had uh, five pieces of the corrugated steel mounted to the wall. Uh, there was a recessed window not far from that. So I could use that to use natural light on the corrugated steel, uh, plus I could have the model sit in the window, and I had I was ground level, so I had frosting on the windows for privacy, and mm-hmm. that turned that window into a giant soft box. So it gave this real nice magazine lighting on the face and softened everything. So sitting in there, you know behind a sheer white curtain and peeking out from it. A lot of the women like that.
0: Mm, Yeah. Is that the, I think I see some of those on your Instagram.
1: Yeah. Um, There I lucked into a clawfoot bathtub that I could just slide around and put anywhere I wanted in the, in the shooting area.
0: Hmm. Yeah. I've definitely heard, I've heard multiple models say how much they really want to do something like that.
1: Yeah. It's, A lot of fun turns out real, really great. The place I'm moving into will have hot water. So that, that will be a
0: plus. (laughs) So you can actually do actually do baths instead of.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Whenever you, you know, the space on the other side of yours is a two bay mechanics garage, hot water really isn't their first priority. So I kind of went with that for a while. Um, And I had one area where I took uh, a, it's a bulletin board paper. Uh, Mm -hmm. That's one of of a distressed brick wall. And I got some Elmer spray adhesive and sprayed down the drywall with that, put that up there. So that was, I could light that with a, a spot and it would, looked like a, a street light uh, in a back alley somewhere uh, I had a school mm-hmm. desk that I could throw in front of it and it looked like in an old school building kind of thing so I had uh, a futon a couple old wing back chairs. if one of them really wanted to do a bedroom scene, I had three different headboards, a bed frame, and an air mattress that I could switch up and do different fake different bedrooms so a lot of smoke and mirrors but it all all turned out well
0: yeah no that's really cool uh that's a good idea sorry i'm actually i'm actually checking out your instagram feed and noticing like the different backgrounds like oh that was shot in front of the corrugated steel and oh there's the leather squares he was talking about (laughs) (laughs)
1: and what the original landlords of my old studio were really, really nice to me. Uh, they had a pet grooming place across the street that the upstairs second floor was a gutted apartment. They had a hoarder in there and they had to strip it down to the floorboards and the studs and the rafters. And they're like, if you want to shoot up there, go right ahead. So there's, uh, if you see the pictures of uh, Girl with the Black Angel Wings. Mm-hmm. That was that was shot up there in a, in a gutted apartment. Down over the hill, there was railroad tracks, a stream, uh, graffitied underpass. And if you went the other direction, there was the back end of an auto salvage yard. So it was kind of like a nice, nice little creative campus out there that uh, we'll probably end up bootlegging sometime in the future as well. <laughs>
0: That's funny. Yeah, that's interesting. I, hmm. Yeah, I'm looking at the one with the the angel wings, Kieran James. Yes. Kieran James. Yeah, that background is wacky. Is what was the back? Did you was that a cloth that you laid out across it, or was that the actual like destroyed?
1: Uh, the one where she's standing up with the the black angel wings and everything.
0: Oh no, this one's kneeling.
1: Oh, uh, the background is like a black and white kind of pattern yep yeah that was just some weird remnant fabric that i found at a local surplus store Uh, and i thought that's that's really interesting i'll get three yards of that and see what i can use it for
0: oh i see the one where she's standing now all right yep yep that one's a little further down that one's kirsten miller okay so there's a couple of different so the wings just hang around the uh the wings are not the models the wings are yours yeah uh so where do you find all your props and stuff? You mentioned a surplus store. Do you just kind of, do you head up flea markets and stuff or?
1: Flea markets, surplus places.
0: Not sure where,
1: where you're at, but if, have you ever heard of a place called O L L I D S. Oh, yeah, my I've...
0: mother loves it. My mother loves Yeah, <laughs> yeah
1: that's, that's where I get my, my curtains and I got the the laminate flooring for the studio and stuff from and
0: hmm.
1: it's basically just uh it, i hit up goodwill and uh salvation army for stuff if i see something that i think ooh, that's kind of interesting I'll, I'll nine times out of ten i'll get it and just put it somewhere in the studio and see what i can use it for and i've, I've gotten an old footlocker all my chairs and the futon have come from goodwill so it's 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 all about repurposing something when you find it
0: i I started doing a little bit of that occasionally and then i realized that i did not have any space (laughs) (laughs) if i had a studio maybe uh well let's move on let's talk about uh why why do people approach a boudoir photographer there's
1: multitude of reasons uh big life events Uh, They just had a child. They're about to get married. One woman came in because she had just lost, I think she said close to 300 pounds after having the gastric bypass or whatever done.
0: Mm.
1: Uh, Had one model come in. Uh, She had suffered a late term miscarriage and, she, you know, in her words, wanted to get her sexy back, mm. but she wanted to do it while she still had some of the, the baby fat on. That way, it was kind of paying homage to one thing while capturing another. Yeah, you know, and it's there, there's a a lot of different reasons, and some of them just think, oh, this would be fun to do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Especially when I throw in what I call my tattoo showcases where it's kind of a sleight of hand. Uh, if you always like, Oh, I I see you have a nice tattoo that goes up your arm and across your shoulder blade, but it's always covered up. You can't see it without looking in a mirror or looking at it upside down. Here's, here's my card. Why don't you come in and we can do something special with that. And they, they seem to, to really like that. Uh, Every once in a while, whenever I can, I'll go out and set up a vendor space at different shows. And in October, there was a tattoo expo over in Pittsburgh that was one of my best events ever because those people are all about looking at their ink and being proud of their artwork and got got a lot of response from that, better than an entire summer of showing up at bike weekends. and trying to get you know for one of a better word biker chicks interested in what i do
0: yeah i want to talk a little bit about the biker stuff later and i saw a couple of photos around that but let's uh let's keep going let's keep let's keep going through these questions and we'll hit that later uh have you ever had to deal with jealous partners of any of your clients uh
1: not in the studio i know there's any book you pick up when it touches on shooting boudoir or glamour shots, however they want to word it, they always say about, don't let boyfriends come to the shoot with you mm. because they'll just get on all sorts of butt hurt and ruin the session. And I found the opposite to be true. I, I encourage people to bring one friend or their significant other, if it's not a surprise, with them because it it distracts them from me and what I'm doing and it gives them something to play off of. Uh one one of my favorite shots is of a girl that brought her daughter, I think she might have been five at the time, five or six, into the studio with her and the girl was playing with one of my props and we heard this thud behind us and uh I broke it <laughs> <And> <laughs> I, I just happened to click at the very instant that mom's face reacted to that and it's <laughs> one of my favorite shots because it's that it's just so natural and organic I know the story behind it but no one else doesn't they're just like oh wow that picture's really cool i really like i do know well let me tell you the story behind that mm-hmm. so there, there's there's all sorts of reasons why to have someone come in with you if you're doing something like that uh because it you know, not not even delving into the the protective part of it which unfortunately is part of what we do but just the there's there's three people there so that means two people are going to be telling you how great you look whenever you doubt that you do. And so it, it's, it's majority roles and, and it makes <laughs> uh, the, the only real jealous spouse I had to deal with was I was at a, uh, a bike weekend and this guy came by and he was looking at the photos I had on display. And he said that, that Woman there in the the pink. Do you have other photos of her? I'm like, oh yeah. And I start flipping through my albums, going, "Here's this one of her, and she really liked this one." Yeah, yeah that's my ex-wife. She didn't start doing this kind of stuff till she <laughs> lost lost a lot of weight, and then she didn't have time for me. And I'm like, Oof. "Oh, okay." So I kind of you know s- took a step back to put the table between me and him. And later on that night, he, you know, for as upset as he thought he was, he seemed to have no problems bringing his friends around and going, look, that's her right there. See that picture? That's her right there. So, yeah, hey, thanks for bringing people by my booth, pal. I appreciate it.
0: Wow. Yeah. That'd be real interesting to have that discussion with. Yeah. So how do you build your business as a boudoir photographer? Do you typically do local advertising? Do you rely on word of mouth? Uh, You have a studio, so I imagine there's a certain number of people that pass by. Social media?
1: Uh, It's mostly social media uh, and getting out to vendor shows, bridal expos, uh, showing up at the local Harley dealers weekends and when I can get in there. Uh, the Tattoo Expo. Uh, this summer, I'm going to be, you know, there seems to be real popular to have one weekend a month or two weekends a month, a popular cover band come in and put on a show at local venues. And one of them, I'm going to be a vendor at their their summer series. So there's eight or nine shows there where I'll be out in front of the rock and roll crowd of the area. Hmm. Uh, I've I've ran some Facebook ads, uh, which is a, a strange experience that I haven't quite got the handle on it yet. It seems know <laughs> I get nothing locally, but they love me in Columbus and New Jersey and Baltimore for some reason.
0: That's kind of ridiculous
1: yeah it's it's your it's, i i guess it's the big city people looking for someone who's not charging big city prices yeah, I'll, I'll take the attention
0: <laughs> that's fair that kind of leads into the next question is there I mean, you're still making a living doing this, but is this? How does this compare to some of the other types of photography, weddings, and you know, senior pictures and portraits and that sort of stuff? Is this more or less viable? I would
1: say it's less viable because not everybody wants it, and you're not going to turn these into. Oh, maybe you could. Uh, your your annual Christmas card and give grandma <laughs> a copy of these but my side of the street is a lot less crowded than those who shoot the weddings and the senior pictures and everything because they they, they crop up everywhere. You I mean, walk into your local bank, if they have a community bulletin board or the back of your local sheets or Wawa or whatever might be in your area, if they have a bulletin board for people to put up stuff, And you'll probably find at least four or five, you know, Joe Smith photography business cards Mm -hmm. printed out and tacked up there. So it's, it's, I I like being a big fish in a little pond. I mean, I I was a graphic designer for a a large independent weather service, we'll say. and. That was one of the lessons I learned there. That it's better to be an expert at one thing than it is to try and hit everybody. And it's the the old adage of if everything is in bold lettering, then nothing is. So mm-hmm. I, I I like being the only one that focuses on this and being the end quotes expert on it.
0: Yeah. Actually, it's funny. I actually have that. I've been having that discussion in my current job, not, not even in photography. I went from working at a very small bank where, you know, I was the expert in security. And then I'm now I'm working at a very large company where there are a lot of experts in security. And I think I liked it better at the bank where I was the one who knew everything and, yeah. So there's definitely something to be said. Like everybody's got to kind of choose that their own path there. Yeah. I imagine that building your portfolio as a business presents some interesting challenges, mostly because since you're targeting, you know, mainstream people, civilians, normies, however you want to call them, a lot of them probably don't want their pictures to end up on your website. They want, you know, their copy of the pictures and they want all other copies destroyed. So how do you build your portfolio for work?
1: Ask them outright, do you, do you mind me posting some of these? Or they'll say you know, right off the top, I really want to do this, but no one can ever find out. Uh, I have one client who said she really wanted to do this, but she really wanted her privacy. And I said, oh, that's fine. I, I won't post anything if you don't want me to. She's like, oh, no, these, I, if they're good, I want you to post them. just i don't want you to show my face so all the photos i have of her her face is in complete shadow which is is really kind of cool it takes it into the the bodyscape area of it all and so you know and her session bless her heart we spent probably 45 minutes on me trying to nail down the light shining through the venetian blind creating the the slat shadows on her you know working out all the bugs of that till we got the shots that i pictured in my head but as long as her face wasn't showing, she was happy with it mm-hmm. uh I, I could probably i'd say that there's probably only ever been three maybe four women who said i, I don't want these going anywhere but here And there's, there's some that I hesitate to post or I give a a long grace period to like if someone comes in and (laughs) one day in the spring, I did two bridal boudoir sessions back to back and those women, because they were meant as a special gift for somebody else, I and holding off on posting any of those until, I know it's been at least a year. That way, it's it's not you know pimping out their special day for my purposes. Yeah, and then because I want I want them to be genuine pictures. Like I don't want to fake bridal boudoir if it, you know, she's not getting married because you know, there's there's that much of anti-marketing in me that I want it to be genuine <laughs> yeah so I, de- I definitely want to post some of these whenever it's time because they were genuine brides coming in for that gen- genuine experience but I don't, don't want to be real quick about it to where you know, someone's coming up saying hey here's your RSVP and I saw your pictures online mm mm-hmm.
0: I imagine that could get a little awkward.
1: Yeah, I had one client contact me months after the fact and saying, "Hey, could you take down my pictures for a while?" She had some ugly legal stuff going on in her life, and so she just wanted to kind of erase that footprint for a little bit. Which yeah. I, I have no problem doing. That I mean, in the end, it's all about being human, too.
0: Uh, you mentioned you mentioned that you ask. Uh, your clients how about if you the professional models you shoot with do you put them in your port that you show potential clients or do you think that having uh more professional models tend to scare away customers that don't have that body type although i've noticed that you do when you shoot with models you shoot with models that have a variety of body types yeah
1: yeah i i know all are welcome you know every shape size color creed Persuasion, you know anything you know i'm I'm pretty much all inclusive now, if I could just get some men to step up and come in i'd I really like that but uh, but yeah no i don't, I'd, uh, don't think
0: I'd come the, by uh, and I'd come by and be your model, but uh, I think my curves are in the wrong place well <laughs> uh, you, you, i've
1: I've had some guys come in. Or be there at a sh- vendor show. I'm like, oh yeah, I'd love to do this. And I'm like, well then you know what? You'd be my first. Come in and I'll comp you the session. Really? I'm <laughs> like, yeah. And okay, cool. And we email back and forth. And then as soon as I say, what date and time would you like to schedule? Poof. Complete ghost me and <laughs> that's it. So any any guys out there listening. Yes, I I am willing to shoot Dude War, as people have called it. (laughs) It's just that no no one has been brave enough to step up and actually do
0: it. I think I was talking with uh, Fallen Angel photography, the Fallen Angel photographer about that like six months ago. She was Mm -hmm. talking about the same thing. She'd only found one man who wanted to pose for her. And that's that's pretty much it. So it's just not... There's just not a lot of. I mean, there's some there's some model looking guys, but most normal. I don't know. Have you seen most normal guys? I think the rest of them all look like me. We're all thick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, it, it,
1: I, I've never been happier than I was whenever I heard the phrase "dad bought." Because fi- finally, I was a, a trend. It's my time. It's, uh, it's my time. <laughs> but uh, back back to your original question. No, uh, I I do show the. Professional models, uh, in my display and everything, because I do shoot a great variety. And uh, there's there's one woman that her and I actually say, share the same birthday. So she's fifty four years old and out there killing it, and she looks good. And that's my oh no, you're not too old for this because look at her here. She's fifty four. You're younger than that. Uh, I, I, I kind of like to shuffle through my display to debunk all the, the "I'm too" statements. Yep. Nope, you're not too curvy because here are these. No, you're not too short. You're not too old. You're you're not too mom because you know everyone is is sexy. I mean, you wouldn't be a mom if someone didn't find you sexy. So why yeah. not? You, you think you're too old well you're as young
0: as you're ever going to be again
1: right now so
0: <laughs> you're you're not wrong like there's a lot of people out there that are getting laid that do not look like models uh so people find them sexy yeah that goes, that mean, goes it goes for the guys too <laughs> yeah i mean it, it's it's all about
1: attitude uh i mean that. You know, there's a lot of Instagram posts out there that say, you know, sexy isn't a size. Well, it, it it's true. It's not a size. It's not an age. It it can't be quantified. It it's how how you feel about yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's I I love having uh, when someone's like, well, what what should I bring in? And I say bring in whatever makes you feel sexy. I mean, it, and It could be a concert shirt it could be a dress it you know lingerie could be nothing at all and you know that's when you that's another way you get an insight into what their their limits may be if they show up and it's nothing but t-shirts and jeans you know you got a little bit of work to do but it, it all works out because I I do keep a small stock uh, wardrobe there and, Mm -hmm. but why why don't we mix your favorite pair of black jeans with this pair of shoes and here again, now one one of my favorites is uh, a men's man's vest from a, like a three piece suit Mm -hmm. and just this because it, it still feels like you got a shirt on, but it's, it's not, not a corset, but yeah, visually it is. And so mm-hmm. find find the mid-ground there and work around and work some magic. <laughs> yeah.
0: All right. So... <laughs> On kind of the next one I was poking out your web page doing some research before we had this interview and I noticed that you as a photographer have a newsletter I yes. have also seen a couple of models do this and now I'm curious is it worth the time uh, what do you put in the newspaper uh, or newsletter sorry
1: the newsletter right now until I you know really hit my groove on it is pretty much hey since you've Come in and had a session with me before. I know your birthday's coming up. So here's here's a little discount. Why not come in and commemorate this year? Uh, until there, yeah, until there's news to be put in the newsletter. It's really kind of a promotional tool. Yeah. Uh, sent out one you know earlier this month for well actually last month for Valentine's Day. Uh, Next one, I'll probably be doing something for, you know, send out beginning of May for June brides uh, to come in for bridal boudoir because brides know what they're spending on their wedding photography. So if they can come in and get something extra for a fraction of that price instead of being tacked onto their main photographer and videographer, Mm -hmm. then that that's always a good thing for me anyway. Yeah. Uh, So right right now the the newsletter is just a, a hair away from just getting an ad in the mail. Uh, I, I'm not a blogger. So the, offering a newsletter of sorts seems to be a good trade because I with I have a friend who's a successful playwright over in Europe and he blogs and it, he said about how it gets to the point where like by 11 o'clock, if you don't have something posted, people are like, hey, haven't seen your post for today. And I just, you know, they would end up being, you know, three hundred and sixty four posts of today is wednesday it's 10 o'clock here's my post and that'd be (laughs) it
0: you know this actually reminds me of have you ever read the four hour work week no so it's 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 the title is mostly bullshit but he did have a couple (laughs) interesting things in there uh one of the things he talks about is if you're trying to figure out Um, How much interest there are in a particular product, put up a web page that says you're selling the product, or somebody says that the product is coming soon, and then put up a little box with an email address and say, you know, sign up to hear when it's released, or sign up to be the first one to hear when it's released, and you can use that to judge how much interest there is in the products so that kind of sounds to me like that's how you're using the newspaper newsletter really is. Yeah. It's about you to build up your contact list and people that are kind of interested in your photography, regardless of how often a newsletter may or may not come out.
1: Yeah. And. Oh, that sounds like three quarters of the ads that pop up on scrolling through Instagram, about some <laughs> new, new tech item that you can get in on the ground floor and pre-order yeah. now
0: launching in yeah.
1: spring 2024
0: yeah that yeah that's like a step further because if you can put people to put money down on it then you can you know pay for your manufacturing ahead of time if you're yeah. doing that yeah no that was a big part of his uh, 4 hour work week was creating a job where you're basically drop shipping stuff from china for whatever your special, your niche is or whatever. Like if you've, like, if, you know, we're in photography, like maybe we figure out some gizmo or gadget that makes photography a little bit easier. We would set up a website. We would advertise to photographers, have them sign up and yeah, pre-order for a buck or two bucks or 10 bucks or, you know, 10 bucks down to hold your spot and then go and then sell that. Although that's kind of falling apart now because there's so many other resellers in China that as soon as you get a good idea, like they just copy it and sell it themselves. Yeah. So... That was was a good business model back in like 2004.
1: Um, uh, Along those lines, uh, one of the things I do whenever I'm set up at a vendor thing is I have a a heart-shaped face where you can sign up to win a photo session. And that's a good promotional tool because I get people who are already halfway there if i walk up to someone and hand them a business card and say hey i want you to think about this i'll be like oh okay put it in their back pocket but if they take the time and effort to fill out their name email address phone number and put it in the jar then there's something in the back of their head that says yes i want to do this so that that is a really big part of building my client list and promotional tools right there.
0: You mentioned one of the places that you get those emails is from attending shows. You talked about that a little bit before. And I said, we talk about it later. And it turns out that now it's later. Uh, I saw on your Instagram, you, there looks like you attend a couple shows pretty regularly. I know you mentioned something about motorcycles and there was another one called the meeting of the marked uh, and you were showing off tattoo showcase images I assume you go to shows then quite a bit you mentioned you mentioned wedding shows as well do you do you spend a lot of time going to shows and exhibiting during the
1: the summer season because Pennsylvania weathers it sucks driving over the mountains during you know snow squalls and ice storms <laughs> uh, so so between April and say October November, I'd like to do. At least one maybe two vendor shows a month just to get out and get in front of people one of the last part-time gigs i had was i was the annoying guy at county fairs trying to get people to sign up to win free windows for their homes and i kind of took that as best college course that i never paid for because i learned a lot about how to market myself at those things so it it, they say that usually takes people seeing you out somewhere three times before they trust you as being a legitimate vendor or business yeah so I, i like to get out and be seen as much as possible especially here in you know middle-sized town usa where people the same people go to different events just for something to do the more people that see me (laughs) the more chance there is Mm -hmm. that somebody will be interested
0: yeah i can definitely see where that that kind of sits on your mind for a little bit the second and third time you're like "Uh, maybe that would be yeah
1: yeah uh the motorcycle shows you know with I've always loved motorsports and hot rods, custom motorcycles, all that stuff. So going to those is, is a lot of fun for me because you get people there who uh, just they're a little outside the, the edge of suburban living. Uh, they're, they're, you know, it takes a different kind of person to ride a motorcycle. I know there's a lot of doctors and lawyers out there that put on their Harley jackets every weekend and think they're a biker, but (laughs) those people come and breeze through and then leave. But the people who hang out at the show, especially uh, the show I was just at this fall over in Pittsburgh, uh, glory days, they're all, all custom bikes i would say most of the builders are 40 and younger so it's a, a younger crowd building 70s era looking bikes out of vintage hondas and stuff like that and it's just a lot of fun but you get those people who live in those kind of creative circles who come in and think about things a little differently and they, they seem to really be interested in products like mine and of course 90 percent of them are also inked up which is something that i can pitch at them while they're there uh, they have beer girls going around promoting things and they're young models who want to build a portfolio so i can pitch to them the vendor shows like that are are really good crowds uh
0: when you go do you find do you sell enough prints to make it worth it monetarily in sales or is it more about the awareness and like you said like meeting the other people that are there getting your name out in front of them multiple times it's more about getting out there
1: in front of them and getting them familiar with me and handing out business cards so that you know when they clean out their purse and they find my card they go oh yeah okay yeah i, I do want to do this uh, mm-hmm. because really right now anyway uh the only people i'm selling to are the people that come in for the sessions even whenever it's uh professional models i'm not selling prints to a random person who oh. just likes the photo
0: Gotcha. Because so the so the pictures of the pictures of the like the wall of photos at your booth are there for examples. They're not sales. Yes. Yeah. That, that's exactly. Okay.
1: They're they're also a display, of kind of like you know you read over my price sheet and you can see the sizes and everything. But if I wanted to, I could go through and I go. You get one of these, and two of these, and three of these, and pull them down off the wall and lay out in front of them. What they're actually getting and. You know it covers the table, and they think, "Wow, I'm getting a ton of photos here, along with the the digitals." So it, it's a good, good physical selling tool as well. Mm-hmm. But but I haven't haven't quite hit the selling posters and prints phase yet, especially since it a lot of them are
0: personal pictures, right? yeah, no, i wasn't I wasn't expecting that you would sell you know client prints, but since you shot with professional models, I thought maybe that was uh, what the prints were. But now it makes sense as, makes more sense to have them as uh, examples. Here's the types of things that you will see. Here's the types of shots that we do, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. All right, so I think we are just about out of time. So we got a couple two more questions to finish up. Uh, do you have any active projects that you want to share with the world? The big thing I want to accomplish
1: this year is I want to have a gallery show. Artist at heart, still first and foremost. So I definitely want to have a place where I can have a one-man show and showcase what I do. Uh, so I'm I'm always willing to take on any models who want to come in and shoot and build their portfolio while helping me hit that goal. And that's that's my big push so for 2022.
0: You know, actually that made me that way you just said I meant to ask earlier about the about the studio and I didn't. Would you say that the studio has really been totally worth it for this? Actually I'd say probably the studio is probably a requirement for the way you do business. People probably don't want you to come into their house and take the pictures. It it's a benefit uh,
1: because I can have those standard sets and props and areas all on hand without having to move any of them. But before, and now that I'm between studios, uh, what I do will do is book a bed and breakfast. Comes, you know, era decorated. And usually during the week, during the day, there's nobody there. Every, every time I've shot it at bed and breakfast, the owner's been like, okay, I got to go do my day job, or we're going to go shopping. Just leave the key in the mailbox whenever you leave, and we have the entire place to ourselves,
0: yeah.
1: which, you know, is really awesome. Interesting. The Emig Mansion in York, Pennsylvania is where I shot the, the ballerina mm-hmm. that's on my page. And the, her, her warm-up outfit that she has on, it that's as, in quotes, boudoir as we got that day. But they're just such cool shots because here she is doing her ballerina-type poses in this lush, burgundy sitting room with a fireplace and just... That, that that's still one of my my favorite sessions just because it's huh. so such a strange juxtaposition you don't don't see many people in tutus and toe shoes on their front stoop striking a pose in the middle of town
0: yeah huh yeah i've been looking at some of the airbnbs in this area and most of them are so just like boring super boring apartments <laughs> I have not yeah. yet been able to find a good one, like a good, cool looking Airbnb or, or regular BNB for that matter. Yeah. I,
1: I really try to stay away from hotel rooms because there's one chain you can spot instantly because <laughs> one wall in the room will always be painted this awful burnt tangerine color. You're like, Oh, yeah. I know where they're at. And so I, I, Try to stay away from them as much as possible.
0: Yeah, the hotel thing, like there's really, yeah, it's really overdone. Really overdone. Uh, let's go ahead and close this out. Where can everybody find you online? Well, online, you can uh, just Google Rowdy
1: Digital Images, R H O W D Y. And same thing for Facebook and Instagram. It's at R-D-I-G-I-M-G, you know, abbreviation for Rowdy Digital Images. Uh, and I, I do have a Twitter account, but I don't use it much. It was kind of like, a I better register for this just to preserve the name so no one else can pretend they're me <laughs> kind of thing. But, uh, if you look up Rowdy Digital Images on Twitter, you can send me a message through that as well. I mean, i've got
0: the, the basics yeah covered. <laughs> yeah and with that we are done check us out at the nsfw photography Podcast.com, on twitter as at nsfw photography instagram at the nsfw photography podcast and subscribe on your favorite podcast app